2: This is a podcast from Minute media.
3: hashtag no music no intro guys. it is that time. One of the favorite podcasts that Ryan and I record each draft season. This is the annual podcast that we have. the the draft extraordinaire of pro Football network. Tony Pauline joining us. our first episode was Tony joining our show two summers ago. Um, we expanded six to then Tony's having a great career at pro football network. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and just spending some time with us as, as the draft is rapidly approaching.
2: Thanks for having me again. I'm looking, I look forward to this every year. I'm glad to be back with you guys.
3: <laughs> thank you. We, we saw you at the senior bowl. This past senior bowl was the first senior Bowl Ryan and I attended and I, we saw you just move, moving and, and running. I said, there, "There's Tony. He's he's working." Dude. We didn't even want to approach you. You so so in the zone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so just starting off the bat, in terms of the Saints, the Saints made this huge tra- this huge trade with the Eagles, completely kind of shaked up the first round. They now sit at pick sixteen and pick nineteen. Um, when the trade first happened, I tweeted out just the sense that I got was they were going to try to secure their quarterback of the future and potential wide receiver with those picks. It's funny because you tweeted the same thing like a few minutes after. Um, so as the draft is two weeks away, as you've said, meetings are happening and teams are conducting their their draft analysis and finalizing things. What do you, what sense do you get of where the Saints are leaning towards with those first two picks at 16 and 19 currently?
2: Well, I, I think they want two of three positions with those uh, picks. Quarterback, receiver, offensive tackle. Now, the way the board breaks, I, you know, I, I think any offensive tackle there is going to be a risk. I think your top four offensive tackles, Aquanu, uh, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, Trevor Penning will be off the board. I think Tyler Smith is, uh, although I like him, I think that's a little bit early for him. I do think they'll be able to get a quarterback, whether that quarterback is Kenny Pickett, whether that quarterback is Malik Willis, whether that quarterback is Matt Corral, one of those three guys there. I do think that they will be able to get a good receiver, whether it's a speedster like Chris Olave, if they rate him that high. Did they take a chance on a Jamison will- Williams of uh, Alabama if he's there? Uh, I don't think Drake London will be, would be there. I think, th- and I think they want more of a speed guy anyway.
4: And Tony, I see that you have, um, on your big board, you have Kenny Pickett as your third quarterback. Um, so do you see him kind of being a quarterback that's in that range where the Saints are picking or, uh, do you see NFL teams kind of overdrafting them, Like, you know, quarter- like they tend to do for quarterbacks.
2: And it's an excellent question, which I don't have the answer to. I, I mean, if it was up to me, I'm not taking Kenny Pickett in the top half of round one, but you know, Carolina is in desperate need of a quarterback mm-hmm. and Carolina's a situation where the coach has to win this year. And I think what's going on in Carolina is, uh, you know, the, the, and as, as as I've reported this, the head coach and the general manager, Scott Fitterer, the general manager, head coach, Matt rule, you've, don't seem to see eye to eye. So I could see a situation where Rule desperately needs a quarterback, you know, to at least to attempt to save his job, pushes for a candy picket, and then Federer says, you know, we got to build for the future. We're going to take one of the offensive tackles uh, because they need offensive tackles, and it's the much higher-rated player. I I mean, it's a good question that I don't have the answer to right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that is going to either – be in the Saints' favor and not being the Saints favor. We just you just hit on it, is these internal battles going on between team owners versus potentially like the head coach or the GM. You you mentioned Carolinas potentially maybe being one of where are some other like hot button type of teams where there's kind of like maybe friction or or maybe non-consensus of what the owner wants as opposed to what the head coach or GM wants it in this upcoming draft being so soon.
2: Well, I mean, you got to look at it. And now I, I don't know of other than what I just mentioned about Carolina, I'm not going to pretend that I have inside information on this, but you know, you got to look at uh, at uh, Atlanta. I mean, oh, the owner wanted oh. Deshaun Sean Watson, which I found kind of interesting, you know, evidently the owner was the guy that really pushed for Kyle Pitts You know, do they take a quarterback of the future? Do they fill a need, a desperate need at uh, at, the receiver? I I mean, um, Green Bay, uh, another one. I I mean, Green Bay's needed receiver for years, and they've bypassed a lot of good receivers. Uh, You know, uh, what what do they do? Uh, You know, I I think with the Eagles, it's basically Harry Roseman's show to uh, run. Uh, and you're not going to really have too much uh, dissension or, or uh, questions there. Um, but uh, I, I think it, it really at the top, you're probably looking at Atlanta.
4: Mm, that's interesting. Uh, one one of the things we've been trying to figure out is, you know, with the Saints, is you know who's running the show now with Sean Payton's departure. You know, he was a big was a big voice in the draft room as far as deciding where they go, especially in the early rounds. Um, do you get on the road? How you do, do you get a sense of that, uh, on the road or is that something that you just have no idea because that's something that, you know, is happening within the, um, within the organization?
2: Yeah. I, you... I mean, I, I don't get really a sense of it on the road. I get people who will tell me it and then I will, I will check it out. I, case in point being, uh, the New York jets a couple of years ago when I had reported that there was a massive rift in the front office between Mike McCagnon and head coach mm-hmm. Adam Gase, and I, was kind of, and I was kind of laughed at, but that was a story that I basically developed over a six-week process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody says, hey, listen, there's a big problem in the New Orleans front office between the head coach and the general manager. I, I don't run with that, something like that. I will wait and try and get confirmation from a couple of other people before I go in and, and, and say something like that, if it is, in fact, told to me.
3: Gotcha. Um, so you you highlighted the the three positions potentially the Saints want to get at 16 and 19. There are there is that potential that someone or two players or a couple of players may completely slip in the draft that they may have an opportunity to take that potentially they didn't think they'd had a chance at. The two players that keep kind of popping up the most right now is potentially Kyle Hamilton the safety at Notre Dame, and Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU. Um, I, I've listened to you talk about Kyle Hamilton in terms of where he was slotted to go maybe a couple of months ago in mock drafts and kind of, you know, his workout and where he's getting slotted now. Uh, Derek Stingley's stock, even though he just worked out, had a, ran a good 40 time last week. Where is their is there range right now in terms of potentially where they could go in this draft?
2: Yeah, probably right before the Saints' first pick. So I, I don't think either of them are going to fall to the Saints. I, I think they're somewhere in the range of 12 to 15, maybe 10 to 15. I mean, you look at them individually. Kyle Hamilton is a guy that I was never very high on as far as an NFL prospect. He's a good, he was a terrific safety at Notre Dame. I just never thought he projected all that well to the next level as far as being an early pick. Kyle Hamilton has never been in my top 10 because you know, he's a long loping guy. Uh, he's not very quick. I I, I've said time and time again, I think he's going to eventually develop into an outside linebacker in the NFL. When you look at the length, you look at the fact that he's 220 pounds. Now you look at the fact that, you know, he's not running good 40 times and people say, well, he plays faster than he times. I would agree with that, but at some point in time, when a guy is timing in the high four fives, in the four sixes, even in the four sevens, you know, even if you're playing much faster, you're running in the four, five, fives. That's right. not worthy of a, or you're playing, I should say, to a four, five, five. That's not what you want in a top ten pick. Never mind the fact that you can't place Kyle Hamilton over the slot receiver. He's got limitations. Uh, as far as Derek Stingley's concerned, which Derek Stingley are you going to get? I mean, you know, if you need 19 as a true freshman, he would be selected before Ahmad Gardner because he was Mm -hmm. that good. He he was a complete shutdown guy. The, the, just the, the, the sense that he had the ability to make plays with his back to the ball. I was talked about this uh, on a show I did earlier with the New York Giants. He he just had a clairvoyance knowing when the ball was in the air and getting his head back around and making plays on the ball. He was that good. If he was eligible for the draft as a true freshman, he's a top three pick. He didn't play well in 2020. He, you know, he was off to kind of a shaky start this year. Then he had the injury. So which, you know, a- and cornerback, you get a lot of busts at the corner, cornerback position. You get guys who don't live up to expectations. So I, I think you're kind of like in the middle somewhere with Stingley. You're hoping you're going to get that guy that we saw in 2019, but there's a bit of risk as far as yeah. getting him back, back to that, uh, uh, that spot, which is why I think, He's not going to go top 10, but he'll go uh, somewhere before the 16th pick.
4: I saw you you have Drake London um, ranked pretty high on your big board. He seems to be very polarizing amongst, like, the draft Knicks out there. I know when I first watched him, I liked him a lot. Then I immediately had, like, a bunch of people telling me he's not good. And then I listened to a lot of people who I respect. Some people like him. Some people hate him. It's like, why is this guy so – so polarizing or is he polarizing you know from your perspective that you've seen i think he's only going to fit
2: a couple of systems as far as you know polarizing he is a good receiver there's no doubt about it he catches the ball exceptionally well and defenses know the ball is going to be thrown in his direction and they can't stop him i mean you just look at the percentage of pass completions that went to drake london when he was healthy when he was on the field now, the problem with Drake London is we saw this with a guy by the name of Hakeem Butler, if you remember that name. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Alan Lazard, you know, little Jordan Humphrey. You know, <laughs> These bigger bodied receivers on the college level who were able to win out for the contested throws down in and down out, it's much harder for them to do it on Sunday because yeah. the, the defenders are so much bigger. They're much more athletic. And you got to find ways to separate through your routes, through your speed, uh, and do something more than just win out for the contested throw. I yeah. think that's the problem with Drake London. I think it's an even bigger issue for Traylon Burks of Arkansas. Mm. You know, people see these great highlights on Saturday, and they're like, wow, this guy's going to be a great NFL player. It's sort of like what I just mentioned with Kyle Hamilton from the offensive side of the ball from the pass catching side of the ball. Mm. Kyle Hamilton, you know, has limitations as far as pass defense because of its build, because of lack of quickness, because of lack of speed. Drake London's going to have limitations in the types of systems uh, that you can put him in. If you have a timing offense, <coughs> excuse me, say like a San Francisco 49 type of offense where you need guys who run crisp, quick routes and separate through your routes, Drake London is not a cor- is not oh. a receiver for you.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It, it's funny. Cause when I watched him, the first thing I said is like, I, if you were to maybe he's the ultimate big slot, if you like a big slot receiver that can just have match mismatches against linebackers and uses that size and against, against them, I think he can profile. Well, um, I had a lot of, like it, Ryan said it perfectly. He's very polarizing. Some people have maybe compared them a little to court Sutton as a prospect coming out. Um, and it, it, his pro day on the 15th on Friday is going to be so huge for him um, and at USC. Going to, sticking with the right receiver, uh, I, I think right, I can speak for Ryan that both our favorite right receiver in this draft is Jamison Williams. Obviously, if he doesn't, he doesn't tear his ACL in the national championship, he's potentially the, the first right receiver taken in this draft. But with the injury, we're kind of just hoping that he potentially falls to the Saints at 16 or potentially at 19. Where – I guess how high could he potentially go or where is he more slated to go in terms of maybe what you're hearing in terms of even with the injury of Jamison Williams?
2: You know, I I think he could go 10 to the New York Jets who are in desperate need of a receiver – but the only problem with that is Jets uh, general manager, Joe Douglas, and to a lesser extent, <clears throat> head coach Robert Sala, really got to win. I, if they don't have to win, they have to be very, very competitive this season. I mean, they really got to put a competitive team on the field that's going to win seven or eight games and be in every game. Because if they don't, Douglas could be looking for another job. So the, so the question is, do you want a guy like Jamison Williams who is a supreme talent, but he's not going to be able to help you until November. So I, I mean that that is that is the question. Um, I really I, I mean, except for maybe Green Bay, <clears throat> who you know has the ability to let him mend and uh, mend himself. Uh, I don't think he's going to go in in the top 12 to uh, 13 picks. I could see maybe a a team trading up with the Minnesota Vikings who wants to get uh, Jamison Williams. (laughs) But it better be a situation where either, one, you're in a rebuild and you've got a new coach, say, like the Saints, and you've got time, so you're not going to need him uh, to produce in 2021, or you've got enough pieces there that you can let him rest, you can let him rehab and then you can put him on the field, you know, for the final stretch through December and your playoff push.
4: All right. Um a, a lot of people believe that the Steelers are targeting a quarterback in this draft, particularly in the first round. A lot of people think it's Malik Willis. Um I kind of have a feeling about that too. Just watching Mike Tomlin at the senior bowl, it just seemed like him and Kevin Colbert were, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, do you see this? That something you see happening is do you think the Steelers really are targeting a quarterback this year? Like willing to trade up depending where they pick. Well,
2: you're asking two questions there. Do I think they're targeting a quarterback? Absolutely. In fact, if you read me really before the combine, I said that the Steelers game plan or what they were hopeful for, was to sign a veteran in free agency like Mitch Trubisky, which they did, and then draft one. Uh, And they do like Malik Willis. So, yes, I I absolutely think they are uh, going to target a a quarterback. Would they be willing to trade up to uh, get a guy like Malik Willis? I I guess it depends on how much they like Malik Willis, and they like him a lot, and how much the trade-up is going to cost them.
3: Mm. We we spend a lot of time talking about the first round picks, obviously, yeah. as, as we as we know the draft. But that's only kind of half of it. I think a perfect example is the Saints draft last year. The more product, the most production they got were from round two when they drafted Pete Warner, round three when they drafted Paulson Adebo had great rookie seasons, and their first round pick Peyton Turner had a kind of underwhelming season, and then he got hurt. Who are some players? in potentially round two the Saints are picking at 49 that either they could be targeting or are there any or I guess this backup question to that is there any day two offensive tackles that you think can become a starter if they don't get an offensive tackle in round one
2: yeah and I, I agree with you I, I mean you know I, I do these uh interviews uh, all over the country everybody's talking about First round, first round, first round. Well, you know what? the The draft is seven reasons, uh, seven rounds for a reason. And you can get good players later on in the draft, and you can get good players at uh, offensive tackle. I believe in this year's draft. I think it's a very deep offensive tackle uh, class. I mean, as far as round two, uh, when you're looking at the 49th pick, <clears throat> Bernard Raymond of Central Michigan will probably be probably be off the board. Nicholas Petit Frere gets a variety of opinions throughout the league. I actually have him as a early second round pick. He could fall to the middle part of round two. There are there a variety of opinions on Rasheed Walker. Some people think he's not a day two pick. I, Rasheed Walker of Penn State, I absolutely love the guy. I think he's got great upside. I absolutely think he's one of the best pass protectors in this year's draft. Um, I could see him going in the middle of round two. I mean even round three, uh, or you know later on, uh, Kellen Dish of Arizona State, big tall athletic guy, just needs a little bit of coaching, just needs a little bit of development. You know, you can get him later on and he could be a real good tackle for you. So there will be good tackles, you know, throughout really the first four, even five rounds. They may not be day one starters, but they are guys that you can develop to be starters a year or two down the road.
4: Well, the Saints need it. The Saints need offensive tackle. They need running back. They need wide receiver. They need quarterback. (laughs) Um, One of the the tight ends, we've been looking at tight ends, and one of the tight ends you recently talked about was uh, Armani Rogers, who's converting from quarterback. Uh, He's a quarterback at UNLV. Um, what are you hearing about that as far as his transition to the tight end role? Like, do people kind of view him as being like a athletic move tight end or something like that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, he was he a
2: was starting quarterback at UNLV. He transferred to uh, Ohio University, mm-hmm. uh, followed his offensive coordinator. And then he was basically a backup, sort of a situational-type quarterback that they brought in on certain downs. He's a big athletic guy who caught the ball reasonably well during three the three days of Shrine Game practices. Uh, before I was at the uh, Senior Bowl, literally the three days before I was at the Senior Bowl, I was at Shrine Game practice. I left Shrine Game practice on a Monday, flew to the uh, Senior Bowl, flew to Mobile, Alabama, Monday afternoon, and I was uh, started Senior Bowl practices on Tuesday. Armani Rogers looked solid catching the ball uh, during Shrine Game practice, Shrine Bowl practice, and then had a terrific... Uh, pro day workout. Uh, he mm-hmm. actually worked out at UCLA with Gre- uh, where Greg Dolchich is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's the type of guy that if he gets drafted, it's going to be late. Uh, if he uh, if not, he's, there's going to be a big market for him as a priority free agent. Mm-hmm. He he's the type of player that you may not want to put him on your practice squad because you could lose him. You may just keep him on the active roster to develop him. I think he's, I think he's more than a move tight end. I think he's got the body frame and the body type to develop into a blocker. It's just that he really hasn't done it. So you may want to use him as a move tight end as, as, you know, as you develop his pass catching game and develop his, uh, his blocking game
3: as well. Yeah. Ryan and I study tight ends a lot at the senior bowl. Um, I, I, I watched Greg Dulcich and just immediately kind of was like, wow, like I didn't watch a lot of tight ends this past um, college football season. He kind of grabbed my eye. I know you talked about this tight end class on the the last episode. I think you did with um, with Trey Wingo kind of just mellowing out just in terms of the hype about it. Um, unfortunately, a position that the Saints, one of the worst drafts of the Saints had recently was that 2020 draft was the Cesar Ruiz draft, the Zach Bond draft, and also the Adam Troutman draft. Adam Troutman kind of hasn't taken that step that I'm sure the Saints have wanted him to take. Uh, the idea of drafting the tight end later, it, it has to be enticing to the Saints um could you and if they don't because they traded their their third round pick um as part of you know they do have another third round pick could greg Dulcich or you know tight end of that kind of elk be available if they wanted to add another tight end to the tight end room
2: in the third day of the draft
3: uh the third the third round or even third third day
2: yeah no Dulcich. uh i think Dulcich there's a variety of opinions, but for the most part, uh, it, it agrees with my board Dulcich and Trey McBride or neck and neck,
4: uh, yeah. <laughs> could
2: be the top tight end in the draft. So, you know, if he's there at 49, I, I don't think he's going to be, be there any later, but still, I mean, you know, they could get a Cole Turner later mm-hmm. on in the draft. They uh, could get a Jake Ferguson later on in the draft. Kate Otten of uh, Washington, who. If he enters the 2021 draft, he's probably a day two pick. Did not have a good year last, did not have a good season last year, uh, had an injury. So he's going to go into the third day of the draft. I, I think when you look at your day three drafts, uh, you're, you're talking about guys that have got potential down the road. Name to remember uh, if you're looking for a, a real good pass catcher is James Mitchell of Virginia Tech. Another guy who I think surprised people when he decided to go back for Virginia tech to Virginia tech for the 2021 season, and then uh, tore his knee up early in the year. So he's one of those guys that if he had finished out the 2021 campaign and played up to expectations, you're probably looking at a potential third round pick. He's going to fall into the fifth round. Now, you know, we talked about Jamison Williams, you know, who hurt his knee in the middle of January at the national championship game. James Mitchell had a knee injury in September. So, I mean, you would hope or you would think that he'd be close to 100% and you could get really day-two value in James Mitchell, fifth, sixth round of this year's draft.
4: Wow. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, kind of circling back to quarterbacks, because a lot of people think the Saints are going to pick one with one of the top two picks. Um, But Kenny Pickett, since he's your third quarterback, um, you have uh, Matt Corral ahead of him and, um, and uh, Malik Willis. What are the limitations that you see from Kenny Pickett that could hinder him you know, yeah. in, a, in his NFL future in the transition? Right. Well, he's my
2: third quarterback, but to some teams he's the number one quarterback. So right. it'll be interesting to see what happens on draft day. Um, the hand size would usually be an issue now. I mean, the saints play eight games indoors. They mm-hmm. play, you know, in the NFC South, which is primarily, you know, good weather. So yeah. hand size, which was what? Eight and a quarter at the combine or yeah. uh, the eight and a half during his pro day. Uh, and, and you know, you guys were at the senior bowl. And when I, Wednesday of the senior bowl, I when was he there. Ran, and raining was- hard, I mean, that ball was coming out funny. You could tell he was struggling, gripping that football, yep. uh, so the hand size is going to be an issue for some teams. I understand it. I also don't think he's a great vertical passer. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's a solid vertical passer. He's not a great vertical passer. You know, I, I think he's more of a real good timing uh, underneath quarterback. I, I will say this, whether it's the Joe Burrow types, I, I really like drafting quarterbacks off a big year. I, I, I think when you get a quarterback that's playing his best football in college, you, you know the the hot guy, if you will. Uh, I, I think that reaps a lot of dividends at the next level, as opposed to say taking a guy who's coming off a somewhat disappointing year, whether it be Sam Howell or Carson uh-huh. Strong. So I, I do believe that there's value in the fact that Pickett had a sensational year, a la Joe Burrow, his game is head in the right direction. You know, everything points north. It's just that you have to, you know, you got to be able to tailor your offense around what he can and cannot do.
3: Yeah. I think that's perfectly said. Ryan and I have talked about Kenny Pickett a lot. Um, he's probably the most player I've watched in a long time. I've watched probably like eight of eight games of his. Um, and him bidding in the Saints offense, being that they kept the same offense coordinator, you could kind of see it. You know, no pun intended, like a hand in glove of just the timing, the, the 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 throwing, the intermediate routes. I think his strengths are he's really really good throwing the intermediate routes, which the Saints offense asks a lot of, and that's something that Jamison Winston struggles mightily with is just intermediate passes. Um, I have two more for you. We can get you going. Um, this explosion of these wide receivers getting paid, like just mm-hmm. explosion in terms of the amount of money, I think it really is kind of getting NFL team owners and general managers a little worried about, oh, snap, like, what are we going to do? Do you see that potentially playing a factor into teams draft strategy? For example, a team thinking, especially if if draft classes continue to be deepish in the wide receiver area, we'll just draft Guy, get them for five years, four years, or five years if it's the first round, um, and try to extract as much production we can from them at a very low cost because the rate of the top echelon right receiver is just ballooning um, within the next couple of years.
2: And it will, it's, it's just a natural progression of things. As far as I'm concerned, you know what, you're paying the quarterbacks all this kind of crazy money. Well, you know, the next thing in line is the player that the quarterbacks are throwing the ball to the receiver. So, uh, and as these receivers eventually pan out, uh, we've seen two tremendous receiver drafts. I mean, those guys are going to get paid to answer your question. You know, I, I think that you have to look at the value of it. You know, if you have a guy like a Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, you know, uh, you're not going to give them away and say, listen, we're just going to draft a guy and develop them. I also think you've got to look at the, you know, the, the, the system. There are some teams that do a great job. The Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, for a while there, the New Orleans Saints, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, that uh, just know how to develop receivers, whereas say the New England Patriots, despite all the success that they've had, they've never been good at developing receivers. What they're good at is grabbing guys off the scrap heap and, and basically getting up to the level of expectations. so I, I don't think you can broad brush it I have to I think you have to look at the available receiver talent, what it's going to cost you compared to what you may be able to get in the draft? And more importantly, although teams and coaches will never admit this, are, are you, is your organization good at developing receivers?
4: Yeah. Yeah, you can go ahead with
3: your last one, Adam. So the last one that I had is every Saints' nightmare um, potentially is what kind of happened in 2017. You know, their guys falling, Patrick Mahomes – Kansas City trades up a pick for them, takes Patrick Mahomes, the rest is history. In terms of teams wanting – I know you mentioned the Vikings and them liking Trey McDuffie and potentially right. wanting to trade down last week. Um, who are – just so for Saints fans, if we know, if we just see that, you know, a team jump up, who are some teams that potentially want to move down or maybe teams that want to move up um, in terms of this upcoming, upcoming draft? Yeah, well, affect I, the Saints.
2: Yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, what I said last week was that look for the, uh, the Vikings like Trent McDuffie almost as much as they like Derek Stingley, and they would uh, be apt to trading down. Uh, and I received confirmation of that yesterday, believe it or not, or this weekend, I should say. I got further confirmation after uh, I did that. I said that on the show with uh, Trey Wingle. So Minnesota, maybe Washington, I could see them uh, wanting to trade down. I can absolutely see the Los Angeles Chargers moving up for a, uh, an offensive right tackle, Uh, a guy like Trevor Penning, if they feel he's not going to make it to 17, maybe one of the receivers. We talked about Pittsburgh, you know, may potentially trading up uh, to get a quarterback. Uh, Dallas sometimes is active, although I don't think they're going to make a big move. Uh, I, I think right now, as far as teams who may, be looking to trade up either the Chargers or the Steelers, teams that want to trade down, absolutely the Vikings, maybe the, uh, the Washington Commanders. It's going to take me a while to get used to saying that.
3: It's <laughs> going to take all of us. Um, this this came out this morning. I just wanted your thoughts on it. Jordan Schultz kind of reported that the Saints like Malik Willis, they like Kenny Pickett, and they may be willing to trade 16 and 19 to go up and get them. Do you see that as a possibility whatsoever?
2: Uh, I doubt it. I, I mean, that's a lot to move up to get quarterbacks that aren't named Justin Fields, or Trevor Lawrence, or yeah. you know. Uh, the, you know. I, and I don't know that they're really going to have to do that. I don't know that there's going to be a big market of teams that want to trade up uh, to get uh, one of those quarterbacks. Then again, I could be dead wrong because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, quarterbacks are always overdrafted. I mean, they're always uh, uh, taken much higher than they should be. And, you know, teams don't, you know, don't seem to remember the past and they're 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 doomed to repeat it.
3: (laughs) Well, well said, Tony. Um, Again, we can't thank you enough for coming on, making time of your schedule. Uh, it's for sure one of our favorite episodes that we record every every draft season. Um, I'll be listening to you tomorrow with, with Trey Wingo, Draft Insiders, Pro Football Network. Follow Tony on Twitter, at Tony Palline. Um, there's no one more in tune with the draft than Tony. And as, as always, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me again. Good luck to you guys with your show. Good luck to the Saints. And I look forward to doing this again next year.
3: Appreciate Thank you, Tony. You, you have a great one. And that we're out.